0: Uh, I spent the last three weeks teaching out of Luke chapter 2, because Luke chapter 2 is this beautiful picture of everything that happens with the shepherds and with Joseph, with Mary. But today, I want to take you back to the Old Testament into Isaiah chapter 9. In Isaiah chapter 9, the prophet Isaiah, some 600 years before Jesus is born, he gives us a picture of who Jesus would be when he arrives. Now remember, keep thinking, Isaiah makes this prophecy some 600 years before Jesus comes on the earthly scene. I read uh, in preparation for today. I read about a a preacher is preaching on Christmas Eve, and he got a little long-winded, and he got you know he got a little off his notes, and the sermon was a little long. His thoughts were a little scattered. He kind of rambled on a little bit. Not that y'all would ever know what that feels like, but uh, it was it was a little t- a little tough. But on, on the way out, you know, it was, it was a church where he goes to the back door and everybody shakes his hand. You know, there's a handshake gauntlet on the way out, and uh, this one member stopped and said, "You know, Pastor." tonight's sermon reminded me of god's peace and god's love and the pastor being truly flattered said really well how so and let me quote this for you she said well it reminded me of god's peace in a way that it surpassed all understanding i know you got it right and it reminded me of god's love because it seemed to endure forever So, I'm going to try to avoid those two pitfalls, but I do want to share you a little bit about Isaiah chapter 9. And before I do, let's pray. God, we are grateful that um, you came that we might have life. You stepped out of the beauty and the grandeur of heaven and stepped into the overcrowded barn that you would be born of a virgin and lay in a bed of straw. God, I'm grateful that the picture of why you did that was that you came for all people. And for that, we'll be forever grateful that you came to be our wonderful counselor and our mighty God and our everlasting father and our prince of peace. Today, let every word that you have for us to hear sink into our soul, marrow deep, so that we might experience you this season, and we wouldn't miss you in the hectic pace of all of life. And we pray that knowing you hear us and answer us. In the name of Jesus, our Lord, we pray. Amen. So every year around this time, we start singing Christmas carols about peace on earth and goodwill toward men. Uh, Jenny and I went last night over to the Aurora Theater in uh, uh, Lawrenceville to see the Christmas canteen. I had no idea that's been playing there for 23 years. I mean, 23 years, it's sold out every time, right? And so we went and uh, we, I don't know how it happened, but we were like dead center front row, right? And so we're like in the splash zone. And so uh, they went through all these different Christmas carols. And I I, I just literally, I started thinking, I'm going to count how many Jesus songs are a part of all of the beautiful music that was done and the music was awesome. I'm telling you guys, it was crazy good. Y'all ought to go next year. It's really good. And, and, but I, they did like 25 songs over the night. I mean, they, you name it, they did it. But they did one Jesus song. But you know what hit me was that every single song was because Christ had come. Come all of them we got to celebrate all of that because jesus came we start singing about that you know we like candles you know silent night all is calm all is bright it's beautiful it's even nostalgic but does it make any difference i mean in our world today does it make any difference we hear about where in the middle of war in world war one and world war two where on christmas eve the, the the singing of silent night caused a war to stop but why does it not stay that way Does it make any difference? You look at the world around us and you see all of the unrest, all of the violence, all the pain, all of the incivility and brokenness, and you wonder, is peace possible? And the answer is absolutely. But I I think for peace to be possible, we've got to stop believing that it's everybody else has got to become peaceful and we have to. That somewhere in our soul, we have to be at peace and we have no hope of being at peace apart from being at peace vertically with our creator and then as a result being at peace horizontally with our fellow mankind. I mean, you look at our nation still, I mean, reeling from the most contentious aftershocks and contentious election cycle in modern U.S. history. I mean, it's just been brutal to look at the divisions across our country. Maybe they're, maybe you experiencing them. Maybe you experience them in your school or you experience them in your community. Uh, I know you probably experience them in your HOA, but the fact is, I mean, anywhere you turn, we find that there are major challenges. The question is, is peace really possible? And while we've come so far, we've got so far to go when i look at our nation under the weight of racism and anger and bitterness and political divide i also look at just the general lack of social graces i think to myself you know is peace really possible somehow it seems that peace is some distant achievement That we may never ever truly enjoy but at this christmas time we stop and we think about it we talk about it we sing about it we long for it and if you're like me i have seasons where just the nostalgia of christmas overwhelms me to the degree that i think why at 59 can i not be as at peace and joy-filled about christmas as i was when i was 12. why is it that i can't be as joy-filled in that season when everything else is swirling around me and most of that is because nostalgia of what we imagine sets us up to have this idea of what is the ideal christmas for our life but of course we we don't have to look far to see the signs of pain and brokenness we see it in most of our families we see it in most of our marriages we see it in most of our extended families where there's there's pain or there's brokenness or there's sorrow we look within ourselves and we can find the restlessness in our own hearts the divisions within we can feel the ache the longing for something more for our lives to be well and whole is peace really possible i mean we can pray for peace within ourselves we can pray for peace within our relationships our nation and our world we can yearn for that but after a while you have to wonder is anybody listening I love the fact that because I'm a pastor everywhere I go, the assumption is get that guy to pray because his probably goes above the ceiling. You know, and the fact is I got seasons in my life where I think my prayers bounce off the ceiling too. I got seasons in my life where I feel like, wait a minute, you know, it's just I'm not walking with the Lord in such a way that I am at I find myself often where my soul is restless. And if you're like me, you find yourself there over and over again because this life is not as it was supposed to be. And you didn't need me to tell you that. I mean, we know that. We know this world is not as it's supposed to be. We know our family is not ideal as it's supposed to be. We know that our own world is not as it's supposed to be. As one peace advocate put it, it can feel like you're banging your head against a wall, and if you're lucky, you might make a tiny crack because the walls that divide us are so strong. They're overwhelming. But you say, wait a minute. Our lives are not the way they're supposed to be, but God indeed has something better in mind. God has something far better in mind for you. I mean, I love the fact that Jesus stepped out of the second part of the Godhead, never losing his deity, never losing, his, never losing the fact that he was all God and yet stepped into God incarnate, Emmanuel, God with us. He puts human skin on and he did all that for us. Here's what the Isaiah, the prophet wrote in Isaiah chapter seven, beginning in verse 13. You can follow their uh, online, their message notes in the app. Uh, there are message notes that you can follow some uh, fill in the blanks on the back of your bulletin or you can follow on the screens but Isaiah the prophet wrote this in Isaiah chapter 7 listen well you royal family of David isn't it enough to exhaust human patience must you exhaust the patience of my God as well all right then the Lord himself will give you the sign look the virgin will conceive a child and she will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel which means God with us. Now, not unlike the people of Isaiah's day, I fear that we are exhausted with bad news. Everywhere you turn, somebody's got bad news for you. Everywhere I turn around, somebody's telling me how the world's coming to an end. But I think about that, and and I wonder to myself, you know, I wonder if we're much different than Isaiah's day. Because I I, I think there are times we exhaust one another. I I know there are times when we must exhaust the divine's infinite patience with us we must exhaust his infinite patience we we must drive him crazy because we haven't changed much from the people of Isaiah's day here it is in 2018 and we're still doing the same thing and you've heard me say before that peace is the greatest commodity on the planet I believe that with all my heart of all the things you could have more than a bigger retirement plan more than a greater salary more than a better job more than a better anything you want to fill in the blank there with there is nothing like having a soul at peace there's nothing like going into a new year with the soul at peace when i think through this i'm reminded though that everything that matters is a matter of the heart now i want you to make sure you grasp the thought if it's christmas And it's the prophet isaiah or if it's christmas and it's luke telling the story of the shepherds being told of the of the birth everything that matters in how we deal with anything that matters is a matter of the heart how we deal with anything is a matter of the heart like you 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 could ask me almost any social issue today pick anything that's a hot button anywhere and I would say to get to the right answer, you inevitably have to understand that if it matters, it's always a matter of the heart. You could, you, again, you can pick it. It doesn't matter what topic you wanna to pick. It's all about, do you recognize that everything that matters is a matter of your heart? When Jesus came, he did not come solely that we could have this day that we could turn around and on December 25, have a day. He came so that we might have peace and that everything that mattered was a matter of our heart. You pick it, when your family is restless, it is a matter of the heart. When your marriage is in trouble, it's a matter of the heart. When your kid is off the rails, it's a matter of the heart. When our finances aren't in order, it's always a matter of the heart. How we see everything we deal with is a matter of the heart. And this is why Jesus came not to be in a manger and not to sit on a throne, but to come and live within our soul to come and live within our heart. He came knowing that if we were to make sure that every decision we made was the best possible decision, he would have to sit on the throne of our heart. This is why we say all the time, we believe the Bible is a big deal because it teaches us that everything that matters is a matter of the heart. And secondly, we say, we believe Jesus is the single biggest deal on the planet because when you get him in the right priority of your heart, what will happen is everything that matters will become a matter of his heart because he'll sit on your throne. He'll give you that direction. But you have to be willing to do it. In Isaiah chapter 9, if you skipped a couple chapters down in verse 6, it says this, for a child is born to us, a son is given to us, The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called. Now watch these next four. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, and the prince of peace. I love this. Isaiah breaks down these four powerhouse descriptions and definitions of the Christ child that came for us on Christmas. And remember he did this 600 years before Jesus would appear on the human scene. The prophet Isaiah says, Jesus has come to be a wonderful counselor. Now, that's good news. I don't know how many of you have used a therapist, a counselor, or somebody of that nature, but I know the numbers of people that are willing to are rising. I know that 20 plus percent is the number that increases in the number of people that call counselors and therapists this time of year, specifically this week, because of the pressures and what happens in our life. It's good to know that Jesus came to be a wonderful counselor. It's great to know that he came to be a mighty God. It's so powerful to recognize he came to be an everlasting father. And I love the fact that because he came, he came to bring us peace as the prince of peace. But what in the world does all that mean? Because it sounds to me like Old Testament gibberish that we're supposed to understand in 2018. But the fact remains that most of us, most of us, A, we don't read anything in the scriptures and B, we don't dig to understand anything in the scriptures. Somewhere along the line, we got taught that we're supposed to read the Bible in this linear form, and it's all about how much of it you can consume. And I wanna ask you, as you prepare for the new year, uh, we've created a tool for you that'll roll out the first Sunday of the year. We wanna feed you scripture, but not for the sake of you reading through the Bible in the year or reading a proverb every day, but that you might allow something every day to let the word of God sink into your heart. One simple truth, at a time and then right beside that let you have less than eight minutes where you can have a time of prayer and meditation I believe so firmly in making sure that the Word of God gets into our life that we can understand words like what is a wonderful counselor mighty God everlasting Father and the Prince of Peace what does it mean I believe with all my heart that Isaiah is speaking about how Jesus would come and he would bring are you ready for this wholeness I believe Jesus came to bring wholeness into our life. I'm certain that he came to say, everything is broken. The circle has been broken. I wanna bring wholeness back to this life that we might be again in right relationship with God, our creator, that we might be in right relationship with mankind. You say, but you know what, Chuck, I can't be at right relationship with that person because you don't know what they did to me. You're right. I don't know what they did to you, but I do know this. You will never, ever find the peace that he came to give you until you can extend the forgiveness he also gave you. You say, well, but Chuck, you don't know. I know, I really don't. You don't know what they've done to me. I I know, but it is not about what they've done to you. It is about are you wanting to stay angry more than you want your soul at peace? Because if you want to stay angry, you can do it. If you want to stay bitter, you can do it. God will allow you. If you, you, want, you want to be just ticked off of the world, I promise you, God will let you do it. And you know what's going to happen along the way? He's going to allow stumble after stumble after stumble. And you know what will happen if you remain angry? You're going to continually look to somebody else and say, but it's their fault. It's their fault. It's their fault. And eventually it gets to this. And God, it's your fault. And all the while, God's saying, you could, you could have chosen peace. I offered it to you. You say, but how in the world do I become whole? Well, accept the Prince of Peace for what he is, for what he said he would be, for all that he's promised. But he also came not just for wholeness, but for healing. Listen, our hearts are broken things. And, and I don't mean because you need a bypass, or, I, I, I mean because sin truly has captured our hearts. We, we're. We're ravished with the desire for unrighteousness. We we live in a world where sin really just controls our hearts. Jesus came to bring wholeness, but he also came to bring healing that he might put it back together. By the way, if you're here today and you're facing some challenge in your life that you have already determined not even God can put this one back together, can I just say to you, you're not talking about the same God I am because I've seen him do it. And by the way i've seen him in his providence take what was broken and move it into a season of healing and wholeness and i've seen him do it over and over and over again and honestly and firmly and forthrightly i see it happen in my own life where god himself has stepped in and you know what i've gotten to the point now where i don't try to explain it away I don't try to say, well, you know, it must have been something I did or a book that I read or a podcast that I, that I was talking about. This is, this is about how a holy God stepped into our lives and wants to bring wholeness and healing, but he also wants to bring an interconnectedness to all things. Everything in his creation he came to put back right that we would be, again, whole, that we might be healed, and that we might have this interconnectedness with all things. Now, he would bring not just a platform like a president would bring. He wouldn't need a cabinet. He wouldn't need an army. He would, in his very being, resolve life as it was intended to be. It means right relationship with God, right relationship with others, and right relationship with creation. He came because sin has made a mess of our lives and disrupted what he came to give us, which was this word, shalom. He came to give this one word. He was the prince and he is the prince and he will forever be the prince of shalom, peace. But listen, the the Hebrew, the Jews knew that it was far more than peace as we think about it. I mean, we think about peace as the absence of conflict, but the term shalom that he came to bring peace, it's far greater than that. It is far bigger than what we look at. He came to be a light in the darkness, a Messiah, a savior who will come to draw the world back together, to draw people to God, usher in God's shalom, God's peace for all people, for all nations. He has a name, a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, an everlasting father, and a prince of peace, Jesus. He has a face. He has a gentle, soft face of an infant. Helpless and vulnerable and born into straw and in poverty to a te- teenage mom with her fiancé And he's bringing in another kingdom the one of, that Isaiah speaks of a Kingdom in the line of David Israel's greatest king a kingdom where righteousness and justice meet in this one thing now watch this where righteousness the goodness of God and along with that justice I I love to preach about how God loves us. Man, it makes me feel good. I love to preach how Jesus came, that we might have life and we might have peace. But you know, the reason he came was that without it, there's judgment. I mean, it's, it's not popular to talk about judgment. It's not popular to talk about the fact that, wait a minute, sin entered this world and sin consumes our life. And because of that sin, there's a judgment that we face. But Jesus came so that he could take that judgment for us. Jesus came that if you had done the worst possible sin, you could imagine Jesus still came for that one thing. And you say, but Chuck, I've never murdered anybody. But guess what? A murderer here on this earth is one prayer away from being your eternal neighbor. Because Jesus came to give that. This child brings peace and makes this peace, which seems like an impossible possibility. A God who is able to do what we in our own striving effort could never, ever do. God with us came to deliver peace to you this Christmas. The greatest gift in the world, Jesus stepped out of heaven for you. This child would grow up into a man, fully God, fully human, and who would lay down his life, a sacrifice of love that you would have peace, only to burst forth from that tomb so that you could have peace, only to return to sit by the right hand of the Father in heaven to create a home for all who would believe that you might have eternal peace. He came as a helpless baby, but I'm telling you, when he comes again, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, he's going to reign, man. And when he does, I'm telling you, the trumpet's going to blow and I'm ready to go. I mean, I don't know about you, but man, I've had all the ho-ho-ho I can handle. I, I, I have jingled all I want to jingle. I, that probably didn't come out the way I meant it, but I think you get my point. I'm ready. Listen to what the Apostle Paul said in his letter to the Ephesians in chapter 2, beginning of verse 14. He said, For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people, when in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of law with his commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from the two groups. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross and our hostility toward each other was put to death He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him and peace to the Jews who were near. Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. No wonder the angel sang glory to God in the highest and on earth, yes, really possible on earth, peace, goodwill to men. No wonder he did because Paul says that when Jesus came, he came for both Jew and for Gentile. And you say, but Chuck, why does that matter to me? I'm not a Jew, and I don't even know what a Gentile is. Well, watch this. If you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. How about that? All right? Fat, skinny, whatever you got, if you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. And Paul says, Christ came. And here's the great news. Paul said, Christ came to give peace to you, whether you're a Jew or you're Gentile. Now, you could say, but okay, but Chuck, I don't know if we have any Jewish folks in in the church today or online today. Well, number one, let me just say, if you are, welcome home because Jesus is your Messiah already come. And the only thing that separates me and you from everything we believe comes this simple. I believe Jesus is the Messiah. I believe he said he was. I believe he was prophesied to be. And I believe he's proving it as he reigns, sitting beside God the Father all day, every day. And when he returns, he's going to take all who believe and it's going to be a glorious time. That would have been a good time for an amen, by the way. I got to get y'all where you just do this naturally. You're killing me. You say, what's the big deal about these two groups? Well, here's what it means to you today. What it means to you today is that Jesus came to bring peace to everybody who believes, and he offers peace to everybody who doesn't. Come on, man. Jesus came for all of you who believe, and he came for all of you that are yet to believe, which says to me today, Chuck, there can be peace. Paul came and literally told this story long after Christ had already gone to sit by the father. And he said, this is what Jesus came to do. Can I just give testimony to this in my own heart and in my own life? The only hope of peace I've got, listen to me, I have six daughters, five grandchildren, three son-in-laws, a boyfriend in waiting. and a dog that's mildly gay. Come on, if everybody on the planet had what's going on at my house, you would be begging Jesus to come into your life. Because without him, there is no hope for peace. If you're here and you have children under two, you need to run to Jesus. The Messiah, Jesus, is wonderful. The glory of who he is and what he has done for us ought to fill us with wonder. The Messiah, Jesus, is our counselor. Jesus is the one fit to guide our lives and should be the Christian's immediate resource as a counselor. Before you knock on my door, before you knock on Ann Ford's door or anybody else, go to him. This is the counselor that has a fit for every problem. Go to him, he said, but Chuck, I just, I, I, I get weird. I don't really know how to talk to God. Well, just talk to God. I mean, I know all of us feel like we need to put our reverent voice on. I mean, you could go from full blown Bubba straight to, our father, who ought in heaven. I mean, come on, if you try to fake a British voice, it doesn't make you sound smarter. It just makes you sound like a, like a British redneck. Just talk to God. I mean, it's really this simple, Jesus. I wanna thank you, I wanna claim, you're my Messiah. You came to give me peace, let me have it. Give it to me. You say, well, can I talk to God like that? Absolutely. But will he hear me like that? Yes, he will. will. Will over the course of time I get better? Promise you will. But go ahead and talk to your wonderful counselor. Jesus can help you with whatever you bring to the party. He can use the presence and the words of another Christian He can use scripture and his word. Jesus is our counselor. He alone has the solution to every single problem. If you come to me and you say, Chuck, I just can't seem to discover God's will for my life. My first question to you is going to be, how long have you spent with God trying to figure it out? I had a pastor friend back some years ago, I had just become the pastor here and I I knew I probably needed to grow up and learn some things as those of you that were here could attest to. And and I called my buddy and I said, hey man, uh, could we grab coffee? I'd love to just pick your brain on a few things. He said, what about? And we'd known each other for a long time. And uh, I said, you know, maybe some help on this whole pastor thing. You know, I feel like I'm stepping over my toes every time I turn around. And I'll never forget what he said. He said, no, I ain't gonna meet with you about that. And if you wanna buy my lunch, we can do that, but we're not gonna talk about that. You know what to do, just go do what you're supposed to do. Have you talked with God today? Yeah. What'd he tell you to do? Well, I think, well, then just go do that. Don't last me to trump what God told you. By the way, I think that's true for you. You don't have to go through me. You don't have to go through Trip. You don't have to go through Bobby. he says he's right there for you he is your wonderful counselor messiah jesus is our counselor listen messiah jesus is a mighty god the god of all creation and glory the lord who reigns in heaven the one worthy of our worship and praise can there be a more straightforward declaration of the deity, deity of the messiah than he is our mighty god mighty enough to fling creation into space with just his voice, mighty enough to take on humanity and poverty, mighty enough to face temptation, mighty enough to heal and help and bring hope, mighty enough to take every stroke of pain, every beating, every torture, every terror, all the brutality and horror offered him in the hours before he had to carry his own cross to Calvary for you and me. This is a mighty God. Sometimes we see meek and mild Jesus in the pictures. And we think, well, isn't that sweet? Isn't that precious? Listen, he is a mighty God. Guys, listen, if you're wondered, can I be a man's man and follow Jesus, you're about to follow the greatest man's man of all time. Can you rise from the dead? Can you face temptation? Can you fling creation into space? No, but I know the one who did, and I want him in my foxhole, amen? He's mighty enough to be willing to hang on an old wooden cross. He's mighty enough to die, lay dead, and raised from the grave. He's mighty enough to leave his counselor, his Holy Spirit, as he returned to heaven to create a home for us. That's how mighty he is. We need a counselor that has a solution for every challenge. We need a mighty God that's always for us, never against us, and loves us with no condition whatsoever. But you may not have known it, but you need an everlasting father. The intent with this statement that Isaiah sets between mighty and peace is pretty interesting. He, he's making the point that Jesus is the author of all eternity, that he is the creator himself. He is the second part of the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. From creation through this day, the everlasting Father has always been and will always be In a world of fading fads, in a world of fading and overwhelming powers and governments and rulers, the one thing that is certain is hope found in the everlasting Father. From creation on, it was. Listen to what John wrote in his first chapter and in verse 1. In the beginning, the Word existed. The Word was with God and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. Who is that word? None other than Jesus, the everlasting father. The alpha, the omega, the beginning, and the end. You know what the beauty is? When you came out of your mom's womb, there he was. And when we bury you, there he'll be. The question is, are you going to go with him or not? Friend, listen, this world needs a Prince of Peace, but you can't extend peace until you've received peace. If you don't have peace, how on earth are you going to be a part of the world's solution? Or are you happy just griping about it? I mean, I mean honestly, I I have run short of folks that just want to gripe about something. Haven't you? I mean, my stars. Could we not as followers of Jesus figure out how we're supposed to be a part of bringing peace to the world Instead of trying to find what's wrong with everybody else and fussing at them. That's just crazy talk Listen if Jesus came right here right now I'll promise you the message he would have is this before you start worrying about everybody else's junk get your junk in order If it's good for Jesus good for us Somebody liked it. Why prince, not king? Why is it the prince of peace? Everywhere else, we call him the eternal king. Why is he the prince of peace? Well, I, I believe there's two reasons. Number one, I do believe he's the second part of the Godhead. God the father, God the son. But I read the bigger issue is this, that a prince is someone who comes into power to bring something new. And you know what he brought? He brought peace to a world that was completely upside down. And he brought peace so that the world might be right side up. Blessed are the peacemakers for they will be sons and daughters of God. Come on now. God gave us courage to bet. Well, I want want to pray what's in my notes, but let me stop. I followed my notes. This is the first time i followed my notes in a year. And what my notes say right here is, God, give us the courage to bear witness to the impossible possibility. But what I'd really like for you to do, and rather than trying to sound cute, let me offer this this phrase. God give you courage enough to ask for and receive the Prince of Peace, the Everlasting Father, the Mighty God, the wonderful counselor into your heart right now you say but Chuck I don't know how to do that okay well Jesus didn't make it hard by the way if you're already a believer would you start praying right now would you start asking the Lord to do whatever he wants to do here if you're new here man I don't want you to freak out I promise you I'm not going to handle snakes and swing from the weirs here I want to offer to you today the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. And I I want to tell you how simple Jesus made it. He said, will you call on my name? I will hear you and I will save you. This is what he came to do for you. I didn't want to end this way. I I wanted it to be sweet. But man, I just can't help it. Please don't walk out of here without Christ. Man, listen, Tuesday we're going to open gifts. We're going to sing. We're going to do all this stuff. And man, nothing, none of it matters. You walk out of here without Jesus. So, how do you call on his name? Well, it's pretty simple. It sounds just like this Jesus, forgive me. I want to call on your name. I want to live for you. Jesus, thanks for dying for me. Thank you for raising from the dead for me. And Jesus, thank you for creating a home in heaven for me because I want to trust you with my life. There are folks all over the room praying, but if that's the desire of your heart today, just raise your hand. Just raise your hand. Amen. 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 All my stars. Amen amen yeah amen amen man there are probably 16 17 folks that raised their hand and said that's what i want today and it's the greatest christmas gift of all time you had the courage to raise your hand i'm i'm gonna ask you just stop by the meet and greet room and just tell me i won't point you out i won't make you weird man i just say thank you and I'd love to send you a little information. To know where do you go from here? Father, thank you that folks said yes to you. This is the greatest thing in the world. And so I pray we would celebrate that as we sing. God, I, pr- I pray we would we'd vocalize to you how good it is that you came, Emmanuel, God, with us. That you literally stepped out of heaven so that you could step into our heart. And change our life forever and eternity I'm so grateful you heard these friends I'm so grateful you heard the folks already praying for these folks and I'm so grateful that heaven is real, Christmas truly happened and we'll celebrate you this week in the name of Jesus who grew out of being a baby and lived a sinless life died on the cross and rose from the dead. That is in the name that we pray all these things. Amen, amen, and amen. Come on, let's worship.